know to pass it, buddy. I'll tell you. One of my favorite songs, and that message never gets old. I love that third verse. Think about it. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. And remember, um, and that's such a meaningful song. And I think had it been written in the first century, it would have been the Apostle Paul's favorite hymn uh, as well. Certainly was a message that he proclaimed as he ministered to uh, the churches uh, of that time. And I call your attention tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 18. Uh, tonight, this is a, a, a hard message for a preacher to, to preach. So at the outset, um, David and Danny both owe me because I was going to make them preach this message tonight, but I decided I would do it. Uh, but uh, you know that uh, last week in chapter 8, as we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we began talking about principles of freedom. And last week in this first chapter, as he talked about this important topic, he reminded us that it's important that we use our freedom or our liberty uh, to benefit or to lift up uh, fellow believers, especially those who are new believers or weak believers. And in chapter 9, he's going to begin talking about how it's important that we use our liberty uh, to um, help the church. Uh, and he does it through his personal testimony. But it's part of the reason why he says some of the things that he does. Uh, but then to remind us that we all have a part to play in God's kingdom. Uh, and if anybody would have understood a preacher who quit, it would have been the Apostle Paul. Nobody would have blamed him if he hung in the, turned in the towel, went back home to Tarsus and retired and said, I've had enough of this foolery. Uh, I mean, he was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was ostracized. He, you know, all, people said all kinds of evil things about him. Uh, you know, that's not, you know, if that, that was your advertisement for a job, nobody would apply for it. Uh, and yet the Apostle Paul was faithful even to his death. Uh, to follow what God had put on his, the calling that God had put on his life. And so let's look, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? For I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brother of the Lord, and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock, 
and does not drink of the milk of the flock. Do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sake? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap uh, your uh, material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have received a reward, but if against my will, I have been entrusted to a, with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Uh, and we'll continue with his uh, sermon next week. So it's kind of a two-parter. So, um, But the Apostle Paul here uh, begins uh, by dealing with something that preachers don't like talking about, and that's how a church takes care of its pastor and how preachers are to be paid. There's a lot of folks. Uh, I hope you're not one. I don't think you are. Um, if you are, maybe we need to have a talk after church tonight. But I have had people tell me, uh, they, by the way, the people that tell me this are not church-going people. Uh, I had a fellow one time quite adamantly tell me, well, I don't go to church because I don't think it's right for preachers to get paid for preaching the word. Now, uh, he was lost at the time. I hope his, I've not talked to the fellow that told me that, but I know he's gotten saved since he told me that. And he's involved in church. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. I know the church that he goes to, and I know they pay their pastor very well. Um, and so maybe his view on that has changed. But I want to make it clear tonight that there's not a pastor that pastors for money. For if it was their aim to be famous or to amass lots of money, pastoring would be the very last place that they would look to accomplish those things. And Paul answers the question at the end, and the question we're going to consider before we leave tonight. He says, listen, you know, if... Anybody has the right to demand a church to support them. It's me. And the reason he said that was because the Apostle Paul planted the church at Corinth. And the people that were saved there, most likely a good part of them, were saved because Paul went and preached the gospel to them. And they heard that preaching and they got saved. And Paul stayed in the city of Corinth. Uh, Acts chapter 18 tells us, for some time, discipling 
believers there. Uh, the church grew, uh, and by the time of 1 Corinthians, it was a fairly large church because Corinth was a large, large metropolitan city. And so, but anytime you're in leadership in anything, but especially working for the Lord, people will be against you. You will not ever please all of the people all of the time. That the only thing that everybody will agree about sometimes is they don't like you. Uh, but not everybody is ever going to be always happy and go lucky with you. And there will always be people that question uh, what you do. Uh, and so the Apostle Paul is writing and says, listen, I want you to know that I have the right to expect you to pay for me as I've going, you know, I, somebody paid for me to come to your church to plant a church in Corinth. And so now it would be reasonable to expect you to send offerings so that I can plant a church elsewhere. Certainly the church at Corinth would have supported uh, a pastor. And by the way, even in the Old Testament, uh, the Levites were paid. Uh, their, their salary included, they took parts of the offerings that people brought uh, as their salary, uh, and their homes were provided for them. And so they, they were taking care. It was the people's responsibility to take care of the Levites. Remember, the Levites in the Old Testament did not have a portion of the promised land. Every other one of the families did. But the Levites were to be divided up among the other tribes, and the other tribes were responsible for taking care of the Levites and responsible also for taking care of the temple that was in Jerusalem. So in our context, as Free Will Baptist, our church supports its pastor, uh, and it also supports our denomination. It supports our denominational work in Nashville, Tennessee. Much the same kind of uh, responsibility. Now, we don't all take a pilgrimage. Maybe we should, maybe. That might be a good trip. We take a pilgrimage to Nashville. Uh, we don't do that, but we do uh, cooperatively work together to support the work of our national association, and we have a, a nice office building there in uh, Antioch uh, on the south side of Nashville that uh, we get our offerings that we give in co-op giving uh, goes to support that and keep that up. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, that's not unreasonable for me to expect that, especially since I founded the church in Corinth, especially since I'm your spiritual father. So he reminds them that, listen, not only is that principle set, but even in the Old Testament, and he mentions... Um, the law of Moses he said you shouldn't muzzle an ox where it treads out the grain. Uh, in other words, what the law of Moses is saying is that, listen, it's not good for you to expect an animal to work out in the field and not feed. You don't expect them to, you know, do all the farming things that you have to do to, to have a, a field and not feed it. In fact, if you're a good farmer and you want a good crop, you feed that ox or that donkey or whatever you happen to have as well as you possibly can and as often as you possibly can because you want it to have energy to do work. And the better you feed it, the harder it can work. And so it's not because God was so concerned about oxen, but he was 
giving a principle to remind us uh, that, and by the way, the Apostle Paul also tells Timothy and reminds us that the laborer is worthy of his hire. And so, uh, but then he goes on and he said, you know what, uh, but I could have demanded these things to you, but I've not. I've never sent you a bill that said, listen, I need this much money, you know, wire it to me. Um, they didn't have that ability back then, of course, but you know, he didn't make that demand. If he didn't demand, send a bill collector, you know, didn't send uh, Johnny Tough Knuckles uh, down there to collect from him, say, you either give up or I'm going to break your kneecaps. Uh, he said, I, I had the right. I'm your spiritual father. I could have done that. But I haven't. And why he says that he hasn't is important. He said, listen, I couldn't have done anything else. I did what God told me to do. And we know that the Apostle Paul worked uh, as a tent maker before the Lord called him uh, to ministry. And he continued that craft at least part-time, at least on an occasional basis as he went around uh, planning churches. Uh, And while he was waiting for various helpers at different times, he would uh, go and, and make tents. Um, and so um, he, he occasionally did that. But why does he say he did that? He said because that's what God told him to do. He said, I could have done nothing else but to preach the gospel. And so some important things as we look at the scripture tonight that I want us uh, to remember. And the first thing is this is that it's important that the local church take care of its pastors. It is a responsibility not only of this church, but every church, to make sure that its pastor or pastors are taken care of. Sometimes, uh, you know, churches can't support a a pastor, and he has to get a little second-time job, like I've started working at Kohl's a little bit, Kind of supplement my income. I hope that our church will grow to the point where that's not necessary anymore. Um, but as long as it, but the Lord's given me that opportunity and, and teaching some at the uh, college in Nashville. Uh, but we have a responsibility because just as the Lord put me here, if I die or the Lord calls me elsewhere and someone else comes, it doesn't matter who the pastor is. It doesn't matter if you like him. It doesn't matter if he's your best friend or your worst enemy. The Bible says you have a responsibility to support him as best you can, to support through your prayers, but also through your finances. Uh, and collectively together, uh, you know, God's able to take some things. Leslie and I, we have a house. We've never missed a meal, um, never missed a car payment. The Lord's been good to us. The Lord's been faithful to us because of your faithfulness. There are churches that have the attitude, though, Lord, you know, we believe a preacher should be poor and humble. And I've actually heard some people, some churches say, say, Lord, you keep him humble and we'll make sure he stays poor. Now, there can be preachers that kind of get a bit, and we see mega church pastors that have million dollar salaries and multi-million dollar homes and several months ago, a pastor in Nashville that has a mega church and TV ministry told him he needed a million dollars so he could buy himself an airplane. Um, that might be a little bit over the top. But within reason, 
the local church has a responsibility to take care of its pastors. And can I tell you that God will hold churches accountable for how they treat their pastor. Leslie and I have been blessed. We're in our 10th year. It oftentimes doesn't seem like that. Um, but I'm thankful uh, that, you know, we have a good church and a loving church. Uh, and as long as the Lord will let us stay, we intend to stay. We love it here uh, and love everybody in our church and want to see the best for it. We've never had, uh, there have been people that have come and sat with me and talked with me and disagreed with me about different things. And uh, I'm sure I've been talked about a lot more than I know on Sunday afternoons at uh, Golden Corral or uh, around the dinner table. But nobody's ever put a flame in my front yard, you know, across and burned it in my yard or said, get out of town or we're going to. Make sure you wish you had left. Never had that happen. And sadly, I know some preachers that that has happened to them. And I will tell you that God will judge churches that treat their pastor that way. That pastors are called by God. I believe God sent me here. I believe you think that God sent me here. Maybe some days you wonder. I wonder some days. Lord, what on earth? Are we do it here, but there's absolutely no doubt. When I think about, you know, maybe I ought to leave, there's no place I'd rather go. And there's nothing I'd rather do because I know this is where God has put us. I believe, by the way, that that's true for church members, too. I don't believe church members are here by accident. I believe you're here because God put you here. Um, and so that means until God changes one of our minds, we've got to learn to love each other and work together. Uh, and by the way, that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, and so taking care of your pastor is a scriptural concept. Uh, but then something else in this that I don't think Paul writes just to pastor or about pastors. I believe, uh, secondly, tonight, that all of us, every single one of us, every Christian has God-given abilities and calling. The Apostle Paul knew what his was. He couldn't fight it. He knew better than to fight it. And he says to the Corinthian church, I could do nothing else but preach the gospel. There's nothing else I could do but plant churches. And to, to be a leader in the church, and to look after churches and to disciple Christians and to help build strong churches. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. But I believe just like God called the Apostle Paul to do what he did, and just like I believe God has called me to pastor this church, I believe God has called every one of you to something. There is something that God has gifted you to do, given you the ability to do, and the desire to do. In Bible college, I remember John Murray, who was one of the professors there and the director of Christian service, a great man, and I consider him a friend and mentor. Uh, even Dave was a missionary to France uh, for Frugal Baptist and then retired and started teaching at the college in Nashville uh, and is still there uh, even today. 
And Brother Murray would say this to his preacher boys, as he called us often. He said, fellas, if you could do anything else besides preaching, don't preach, because you will be miserable. But if God has really called you to preach, you will not be happy doing anything else. And sometimes, I think maybe sometimes people are so miserable and cranky and grouchy because they're doing something that God does not, has not called and gifted them to do. But God has called and blessed and given abilities to every Christian certain things that they're called to do. Well, if you're not doing what you're called to do, you need to find out what you're called to do and do it. I think about nursing. We have nurses in our church. You know, preaching on days is, is rough. And there's days being a pastor is, is hard. But I can only imagine, there's days, I couldn't be a nurse. I'd faint and get sick every time, you know, there's blood and all kinds of things that nurse, it has to be a special, it is not easy work and a lot of pay. Nurses don't make near enough money. And they work far too much. They don't make near as much as doctors do. Am I right? I, I thought I probably was. But they have to deal, exactly, they deal with much more. And so I think God calls certain people to be nurses, and I'm thankful that they do. I'm thankful that God calls some people to be doctors. I'm thankful God calls people to be insurance people. I'm thankful God calls to be teachers and all kinds of different things. But... You know, and I think that God calls every one of us and has given us gifts and abilities and we will never be truly happy until we are doing exactly what God wants us to do. Because if we're doing exactly what God wants us to do, it doesn't matter how much recognition we get. We don't, it doesn't matter how rewarding it is. Because there's days it is rewarding to be a pastor. There's days... I just assume do something else because it's hard. But I know that if I tried to do something else, I'd be miserable. Leslie, a lot of times, comes home and says, Oh my goodness, what a rough day. I don't want to teach anymore. And she, God, I think, has called her to be a teacher and given her the ability to teach and gifts to teach. It's not because of the high pay we pay teachers, they, they don't make much. It's not because they get summers off that people become teachers. But can I tell you, I know deep down in my heart, Leslie would be absolutely miserable doing anything but teaching. There's days she said, oh, I'd just soon go work at a bank. She could get a job easily anywhere else in town, I'm quite sure. But she would be absolutely 100% miserable because she was not doing what God called her to do. So I think our vocation, God gives us. But can I tell you that even in our personal life, I think we all have callings. There's things that God puts in our heart to do. Maybe it's teach Sunday school. Maybe it's sing specials. Maybe it's, I don't know what it might be. But God has put something in our heart. And can I tell you, you will be miserable 
until you do what God has put in your heart. But if you're willing to do what God's put in your heart, you will be the happiest person on earth. Because though there's hard days and there's difficulties and you don't get recognition that you probably deserve, none of that matters. Because you know the Lord of heaven looks down and he sees what you're doing. And you know that you're doing exactly what God has called you to do. And you'll be as happy as a clam. That's the best place to be. The worst place, by the way, to be for a believer is outside of the will of God. If you're outside of the will of God, including in what you're supposed to be doing and what you find your delight in, you will be absolutely 100% miserable. But when you are where God wants you to be and you're doing what God wants you to do, you will be absolutely content and absolutely happy. And that's why the Apostle Paul is able to say some of the things he says later on in this chapter. But the hour's getting away from us, so we're going to have to come back next week and see what else he has to say about that. But I do think these are two important principles that we find for us in 2017 that still apply to us just as much as they did in the first century when Paul uh, wrote to the Corinthian church. So uh, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed uh, in...